Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. While you're clapping, let you thank the band. Yay! Oh, what you have a stretch? I need a stretch. Anybody else need a stretch? Stand up and have a little stretch. Just to... High five, somebody. Okay, we're good to go. Say to God, I don't want to be blind. Say it again like you're talking to him. Lord, I don't want to be blind. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot even see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word unbelievers, we take that and we kind of think, oh, that means people who aren't Christians. Unbelievers are just people who don't believe. And it's like if there's a promise or if there's something from God, you can hear it and not see it because of unbelief. So as we come to your word now, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that you would deal with unbelief in our lives and that we would receive your word and do what it says. We would be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves, Lord. So if there's anything that's come in, anything that we've allowed to come in, that would have kept us from seeing today, please, Lord, would you put your hands upon our eyes, upon, the, upon our minds, upon our hearts in some way, and deal with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, the glow party, yeah, harmless fun, isn't it? All that stuff. The, you know, October the 31st, why would we pick that? I'll tell you why. Go on my Facebook page, if you're not already on it, look at the video that I've just put on today from a guy who is a Satanist and a warlock and a witch. And on that, he talks about the reality of what Halloween's about from that perspective. It's literally an eye-opener. And especially if you have children, grandchildren, or care of any children, watch it. And it will change your mind. And if you've been in agreement with Halloween in some way, then I pray that God will open your eyes to that and you'll actually recognise it is not harmless fun. It is very harmful and it is very evil. And we must not connect in with it as Christians. So you can talk to me later and say, well, I just think it's fine. Okay, if that's what you want for your kids, that's fine too. Watch the video. A guy called John Ramirez. And uh, if you're on my Facebook, you can do that. If not, go on YouTube and find that video. It will, I pray, open some people's eyes. But at the same time as doing that, we also do want to celebrate the light. We want to say, Jesus is the light. And uh, we pick sides, basically. A lot of this stuff is about picking sides. Everybody else can do that. What side are you with? You know? That's the question. Do you just... You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says you, just, you can plunge into the dissipation together with us. He's like, there's all that stuff's going on. We can decide, ah, oh, dive in. Or, no. Up to you. Okay, um, what's my first slide, please? 
apart from that one. We're all about Jesus, which is what we're all about. We're all about Jesus. And uh, we're in a series that's talking about Jesus. So I'm going to read about a time when Jesus came through a particular place called Jericho. This really happened. The Bible says we didn't follow cleverly made up stories. This isn't like a story or a myth or a fable about Jesus. This stuff really happened. Jesus walked in a place called Jericho 2,000 years ago down a particular road. And I've been to Jericho. I've seen it on the bus. You pass it on the way to the Dead Sea. And uh, I went and did the Dead Sea thing, the famous tourist thing, got in the water. It looks great, all that mud, until you realise it quite stings in all your important little places. And um, it's like you get out and you really need that shower afterwards. And, um, and then we went from the Dead Sea and we went, you know, to Jericho and along that road to, up to Jerusalem. It's like this is the path that Jesus actually walked. This isn't, I, you know, I grew up as a kid hearing these stories and thinking they were just stories. I didn't realise that this isn't just stories, this is history. This is actual places. And there were people around who could have said, oh no, there was no guy called Bartimaeus who lived in Jericho, that's just like a story. But you know, this is in the Gospels and there was people, these were circulating within the lifetime of the people who wrote it who could say, no, no, that didn't happen. Um, so, let's read the story, which is not a story, it is what happened now they came to Jericho this is Mark chapter 10 verse 46 as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude blind Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus sat by the road begging and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to cry out and say Jesus son of David have mercy on me many warned him to be quiet but he cried out all the more son of David have mercy on me so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garments, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, which is like an intensive form of the word rabbi, that means not just teacher in general, but my rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately... He received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now at this time, something's happening where more and more people are asking questions about who is Jesus. We're in this series all about Jesus. We're looking at different names, different titles about who Jesus is. We've looked at how people called him the Son of God, how he usually referred to himself as the Son of Man. Very rare title is this one today, the Son of David. I'm going to talk tonight about why I think this is a specific one that really helps if you're a Jewish person. But if you're a Gentile person like me, there are other ways to be able to pray. And that isn't to say you can't use this one, but ultimately it's a bit like there's a key for a door. And I've got certain keys and they will open certain doors and other keys will open other doors. And so for a Jewish person to refer to Jesus as the son of David will open up a particular door. Because Bartimaeus, we're going to see, is not going to come on the basis of his need. He's not even going to come on the basis of his desperation, although it is a desperate need. He's going to come to Jesus on the basis of a covenant, of a promise that's been made. And he's going to say, you fulfill that promise that's been made. I'm coming to you on the basis of a covenant, of a promise. I've made a, you've made a promise to me, and so I'm going to cash in on that promise. Very strong a covenant, isn't it? You, know, you, you don't realise we sign covenants all the time. It's what's coming out of your bank. You know, it's the mortgage is a covenant. 
He said, you know, these things, they have written all over them, deed and covenant. They're very powerful, this idea of covenants. And I want to talk a bit more about that this evening. So if you want to come along to that, you're more than welcome as I look a little bit more at that. People are really interested in Jesus at this point. And I think people are really interested still in Jesus in our, in our culture. More than you might expect, people are still very interested in Jesus. But the problem is we can kind of get used to him, get used to the name, just becomes a bit more commonplace. In some ways it can even, you know, for many people it just becomes a swear word, or, you know, and out it comes without even knowing who it is that they're talking about or speaking about. I've had the privilege in my life of being able to go to some places like in India where to go into a village where they've never heard the name of Jesus is quite amazing. Where, where they've, you know, there's never been a poster or a billboard or anything. You know, just like in these rural villages and to go in and say, gather a crowd of people and say, I've come to tell you that God became a man and lived among poor people and brought the, the good news to them that all of our sins can be forgiven because he died upon the cross and he proved it by rising from the dead. And who wants to know that there's a new king in town and that he can be the king of your life. And I tell you, they, they receive that news gladly when they hear the name of Jesus. They don't kind of go what we can do. Even in church after a bit, we can get so used to the name of Jesus. It becomes commonplace to us. So that's why we're in this series. I really felt it was important for us to look for a number of weeks at what we're all about. Because we can end up in, as Christians about all kinds of other stuff other than Jesus. We can end up making church about all kinds of other things other than Jesus. But at the end of the day, if we're not about Jesus, we're not really a church. We're just a, a nice group, hopefully, mostly, of, of community-minded people who gather today, together to try and do a bit more together than we can do in our own, and sometimes we do it in a religious fashion. That's not a church. It's not the thing Jesus said he was going to build. Now, the most incredible things happen when people call out on the name of Jesus Christ and so Jericho was known as the city of palms it's a six hour walk straight up to Jerusalem it had had a large population because it was well irrigated historians say at the time it was filled with palm trees and fruit trees and sycamore fig trees and if you remember when Jesus came into town there was a guy who was small and the crowd was big and so he couldn't see Jesus what's his name Zacchaeus, so he, he climbs up into a sycamore fig tree to be able to see Jesus and to be able to check him out. And he's checking him out at a distance. And that might be you today. You might be checking Jesus out a bit at a distance. Guess what? Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want to come to your house. I'm not just convinced. It's not just about you. I'm up here. You're, you know, you're up here there. I'm down here. You get to check me out. No, if I'm going to come, I'm going to come as Lord. And when he, comes, when he invites him into the house... Things start to change in Zacchaeus' life. And he used to be all about the money. He used to be all about himself. And suddenly he's like, I'm not going to live like that anymore. Because I've been loved, because I've been accepted by Jesus. Things are going to change on the inside. And that's going to be expressed on the outside. I'm going to live to give, not just to live to get. And everything changes because Jesus really comes into his house. So that was a famous thing that happened in Jericho. Obviously, even more famous perhaps than that in the Old Testament. What do we hear about Jericho? We think about the walls that they walked around and around and around and it all came tumbling down it was the first city of the promised land that, that God showed a great victory in and so there's something about Jericho there's something about God having a victory there 
And now it's been rebuilt. There's a, a, interesting prophetic stuff about what happened there in terms of it being rebuilt. I haven't got time for that. But, but it's like there's a pilgrimage that would take place every year, every male Jew above the age of 12 was required to take the pilgrimage at Passover to go to the temple. So that's why Jesus is going. That's why lots of people are going. That's why Jericho is going to be really busy at this time as they're moving through. And yet, Jesus isn't just like everybody else. People are are asking the questions. People are saying, could he be the Messiah? What do they mean by the Messiah, the Christ? They mean, from their perspective, the one who's going to come and sort out the Romans. The one who's going to overthrow the oppressors. Is he going to be the one who's going to do it? They get excited about that. They get very nationalistic about that. That was palm things. That was like in Wales, if you wave a leek about, you're basically doing that. Well, the palms were the flag of Israel. So they're waving that about in this nationalistic fervor because you know what they want most? A political solution from God. They want God to come and sort their politics out. I'm not saying I don't want that either. I I am praying for God to come and do that. I mean, there's so much that we could pray into that. Um, And it's good for us to do that. Righteousness and justice and the gospel to prevail and be able to run free. And and that's, to be honest with you, what I'm pretty much concerned about. I'm not praying about, Lord, what will most benefit my bank account. (sighs) Because I don't trust other people for that. I trust him. They're all asking these questions. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one? And then they hear this rumour that in this place called Bethany, he's gone there just before this, and a guy was dead and everybody thought Jesus was late, but he turned up just in time, three days late, as far as they're concerned, to raise a guy from the dead. And do you think that made headlines in nearby Jericho? I should think so. People are starting to hear these incredible rumours. It says actually... In John chapter 11, because Lazarus had been raised from the dead, the chief priests wanted to kill Lazarus. Like, yeah, one time wasn't dead enough. They wanted him again. Because why? He was the living proof that Jesus was who he says he was as he stood outside the grave and told everybody, I am the resurrection and the life. So the whole city is now out and they're all asking this question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And there is no more important question for anybody to answer than that question. Who is Jesus for you? It's a matter not just of life and death. It's a matter of life and death and life after death or not. It really is that important that we get this issue settled as to who Jesus is. And all kinds of people throughout history have claimed to be God or said that they were God and and all of that. And actually, you know, just... So many of them actually, many people claim to be Jesus Christ and all these kind of things. There's all these, these, these um, false messiahs. But this one made predictions that kept happening. He looked at, uh, the, uh, people looked at the Old Testament and said his life fulfilled all these promises that have been made. And over and over, even until now, as we get to Mark's Gospel, three times he said really clearly, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to there to be crucified. I'll be handed over to sinners. They'll do what they want with me. I will die and rise again on the third day. Really clear and specific. I don't know how, but the disciples keep thinking, oh, is he some kind of parable? No, he meant it. This is what he said he would do. Have we seen who Jesus is? People are saying, they wanted to see who Jesus is. Remember years ago, these things called magic eye pictures. 
Apparently on this one, if you look right, you see Jesus in there at the back, but you've got to kind of look through the picture to be able to see them. They were a big thing back in the day. I remember at the time I was living in Nottingham and they went crazy. I was in the market and they had these big pictures, all these different kinds of ones, and people were, were buying them. And it's like, oh, if you look through this, you'll see the Empire State Building and all these different kinds of things. Have you seen them? No, never seen them? They were like, anyway, you can go on the internet and have a look. Magic eye pictures. But I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, I don't know why anybody would buy that. You know, it's not even a nice picture, and I can't see any Empire State Building or Jesus or anything. One day, though, I'm reading the newspaper, and there's an article about this craze that is, you know, crazies come in and go out, and there's this craze about magic eye pictures. And it says, inside this picture, um, there's another picture. But you've got to do this to be able to, to look at it. And, and it basically said, you've got to hold the paper up like this, and then bring it out to a certain point, and then, pow, you see it. And it describes how to do that. So I'm thinking, ah, it's rubbish. It's not. I'll give it a go, though. I'll give it a go. So, and it said there's a rabbit in, the, in this picture. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And suddenly, <gasps> I saw the rabbit. I don't know if anybody else can see the rabbit, but I was like, anybody, can anybody see the rabbit? You see the rabbit? Yeah, I know. But when it happened, I was like, oh, there's a rabbit. And like Zoe came down the stairs and I'm like, no, 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 there's a rabbit, there's a rabbit, there's a rabbit. And she's like, oh, no, no rabbit, it's just a jumble. Of, no, 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 stick the paper in her face. No, 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 no. And then anyway, she, she said, I'm having my breakfast. But you see, Christians, the reason we get excited about this stuff with Jesus, if you're not one yet, here's the reason. It's like we've seen the rabbit. It's like we've seen who he is. We are, at least we're beginning to glimpse who he is, who he really is. And as you get to see who Jesus is, you're like, wow, this has got to change everything. That's why we get excited about him. That's why Zacchaeus, his life was changed. When he saw who Jesus is and that he would love him, that he would welcome him, who everybody else despised, that he would say, I want to come to your house. And everybody's like, he's going to be his, his friend going into his house. So we're looking at all these different names and, and then he's gone into Jericho, he's been to Zacchaeus' house, he's on the way to Jerusalem and then passing by there's this guy called Bartimaeus who's a beggar. Now a beggar in those days you had an authorised robe that you would wear that would show that you were a beggar and therefore it's like your disabled badge in some manner that basically was saying I am an authorised to be able to, I'm not making this up, I've got a problem. That was your cloak. And then you would have an authorised cry, have mercy on me. People would go past and you would say, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. So he's sitting there and the crowd's really big today. I mean, it's big anyway, but it's like, wow, what's going on? There's all these people and he's blind. He didn't know what's going on. And the thing is, in those days, blind people stayed blind. He had no hope. You know, however long he'd been blind, everything was dark. And, and, and at the same time, there was a thing in that, the way in which they misinterpreted God that basically said, if you were blind, if you were in some way disabled, you were cursed. It was because of something you'd done or your ancestors had done or, or whatever. So he's like nothing and nobody at the side of the road, just dependent upon people to have mercy upon him. And then somebody who he asks, somebody says, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he's like, no, he is not. He's not passing by me. If Jesus is going past, I want some of that. He's not just going to pass me. So all the rest of the crowd are listening and he's like, 
started to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He's getting very specific. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Whatever else is going on in this crowd, there's somebody here shouting out, have mercy on me. He wants to make this very personal. See, all these other people in the crowd are seeing Jesus, but there's only one who actually sees who he really is. Even though, you know that phrase, there's none so blind as them they think they can see? Everybody else is blind to who Jesus is. He's like, no, he's the son of David. He's the Messiah. He's the rescuer. He's come to set these people free. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, he's desperate because he's blind. He's got no other hope. He starts to shout it out. He screams it out. The word here for, for shout is kratzo in the Greek. It's used to describe the screaming of a woman in childbirth. He's, Jesus, son of David. And that's a title. That's a Messiah thing. I'm going to talk about that tonight. But he basically what he's saying, he just has to be heard over the crowd. He has to call out and, and, and shout out. And again, this isn't, I mean, it's good. I mean, we're going to pray in a minute. Sometimes we don't pray enough because we're not desperate enough. We kind of find ways to manage it or we hope other people will help instead of coming to the one who can help and asking him to be able to do that. And he calls him the son of David. Some people you know, called Jesus the son of a carpenter. That's all he was to them. Other people called him the son of Mary because they didn't want... They, they basically were saying he was illegitimate. They didn't want to refer to him as the son of Joseph. To call him the son of Mary was actually an insult. Because they were saying, we don't really know who his dad is. Years later, the Jewish people would call him Jesus Pan, Ben Pantera, which means Jesus, the son of a Roman soldier. And they had this rumour going around that he was actually raped by a Roman soldier. That's what happened to Mary, they say. So all kinds of things to cast a... You know, they, they called him the son of a devil. Bartimaeus called him the son of David. It's a title. He knew what he was doing. I'm going to talk about that again this evening. I've got time for now. But the thing is, there's only one guy could see. Isn't that interesting? And all these other people probably thought they could see who Jesus was as he's passing by. And sometimes we can think we know who he is and we don't even see him. The church can be like that. Don't believe me? Revelation. Church called Laodicea. Jesus wrote to them and said, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Why? You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. You are self-satisfied. But you do not realise, you do not see that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold from me refined in the fire so you can become rich, white clothes to wear, to cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Is that a message to us? Is it a message to me? I think it is. We need to wake up and see who Jesus really is and not become self-satisfied and think that we know. So if you're able to stand, please jump to your feet and we're going to pray. This is prayer number one. There'll be a couple of others. Close your eyes for a moment. Ask Jesus, what am I not seeing? Is there an area in my life in which I have become blind? Especially about not seeing who you really are. Open my eyes, Lord. so I can see who you really are. If there's anything that's coming, let's put a veil over that. In the name of Jesus, now I ask that that will be removed.
for everybody who's asking for that, that that veil would be removed and that everybody here, our eyes would see the glory of Christ, how wonderful and beautiful you are. Maybe some of the things we've looked at have made us look away. Just turn and say, I don't want to, I don't want to be looking at anything else that's going to stop me from seeing you. Open my eyes, Lord. Amen. Please take a seat. See, I don't want to just read it. I want to apply it. I want us to do what it says. What does he say? Have mercy on me. Lord, I need mercy. Is there anything in your life, is there anything in my life, any sin right now that's holding me back and keeping me bound, something you keep going back to? The blind man knows what he needs from God, from Jesus, is mercy. Most of all, he needs mercy. First of all, he needs mercy. He can see what so many people go through the whole of this life without seeing. I'm a sinner. So many people go through the whole of this life totally blinded to the fact that they are a sinner who needs a saviour. And they go right, walk right into hell. Blind. Never having their eyes open. This week on Wednesday, we've had a lot of funerals recently. I've got another one in my family on Wednesday. My uncle Brian, I'll be doing his funeral. And I remember uh, at my brother's wedding, Uncle Brian saying to me, I, 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 I kind of believe what you believe. I said, Really? Because he never went to church. I said, well, why is that? And he said, and this is something that, that is a mixture for me of shame and glory. And he said, because I've seen the way it's changed you. And as he said that, I remembered that that man saw me at my worst. He saw me when I was so far gone. He saw me before Zoe knew me, before anybody here had ever met me. He saw what I was like, my, the trajectory of my life, and the mess that I was and the shame I was bringing on my family none of you know that guy and I'm glad he died so I could be resurrected I'm so grateful for the grace of God in my life and you could look and say oh he's a pastor and all that kind of stuff man you don't if you, if you, if you look at me and, you, and anybody here doesn't kind of like me and thinks I'm not done good things you are right I am not a good man I do not come to God on the basis of my goodness and my perfection and that isn't an excuse then to just go and live how we want to me it's a, it's a thing that says Lord help have mercy on me have mercy on me the first step you see before he's going to go and ask for anything and he is going to do that in a minute is to come and just say Lord Lord have mercy on me I need mercy, I need forgiveness, I need grace, I can't do anything. I messed up so many ways. And that isn't just then, I mean since then. I don't know about you, I've just not been perfect. I'll be honest about that. I've messed up so many times. And, and there's been times when I've come back to me and I'd say again, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And every time he comes with grace, because what happens next, Jesus says, bring him. Bring him, let him come. He doesn't say, oh, sinner, send him away. Let him come. Let him come. Come to me. And when he, came, he comes to him, and all the crowd have been saying, ooh, be quiet. Now they're like, ooh, 
Interesting, he likes you, you can go. Funny how people change. He said, he said, let me just read this. He called him, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. What's that garment? I've talked about it before. It's the old life. It's what was. It was what used to define him. Somebody's got to throw that off. God won't do it for you. You have to decide. I have to decide. I'm going to take that garment off. Whether it was a garment of of sadness and mourning and all of that. I mean, we are sad and we have bad things that happen in our lives. Everybody does. But you can decide, I'm going to walk around that and let that define me. Or you can untie that and let it fall to the ground and come to Jesus today. And that garment as well for me would define me as a sinner. And now I come to Jesus and I say, I don't want that to define me anymore. And then the king asked the beggar, what do you want me to do for you? And if that doesn't make you go, wow, check your pulse. What can I do for you? See, he's even in this, he wants a specific. I can pray, oh Lord, have mercy in general. But when does God get glory from that? It's when I've asked a specific. And in a moment, some of you have been gracious enough to come up and take somebody else's prayer and you're going to pray it for that. But I wonder if Jesus stood before you now and asked you for something specific, maybe something big. Because being blind and asking to be healed and to be able to see, who agrees that's fairly big? That's a big, that's a big prayer, yeah? And Jesus says to him, your faith has healed you. Now we can get into that and you can think, oh, hang on, does that mean that therefore uh, I haven't had enough faith and that's why that didn't happen? That isn't what this is about. He's basically saying you put your trust in a covenant promise. I'll talk about that this evening. And your faith hasn't just healed you, it sozoed you, which basically means made you whole and complete. You are healed, you are delivered, and you are free. And then he says, go your way. Very particular word in the Greek in which this is written. It doesn't just mean go away. It means go. now you can go in any direction. See, a blind person would have to be led by other people. Now he says, now you can go anywhere you want to go. What did he say? What, what did he do? He followed Jesus. See, some of us, Jesus comes and sets us free and says, you can go anywhere you want. And we do. Some people just want the healing. They never want the healer. I've seen that happen so many times. I just want the results. Your faith has saved you. Go your way, you've been made healed. So I'm gonna invite you, actually, to fully follow Jesus. And for some people, this could be that actually you realise you've, you've, you've drifted away from that close walk to him. And maybe there's very good reasons you could give why you feel like that. You know, at the end of the day, here's a blind man sitting by the road. He could give all kinds of reasons why he feels life has been cruel. Instead, he comes to Jesus and he says, have mercy upon me and ask him for what he wants and trust him to be able to do what he can do. So... I'm going to ask you if you want to respond and to pray with me in a minute. And we just did the stand up everybody prayer. But, but if for you, you kind of feel, yeah, it's true. I've been kind of blind to seeing who Jesus really is. And I've made this Jesus of my own. 
picture out of all of the pictures and maybe it's not the real one and I really want to follow the real one and I'm going to go with him even on the road because where's the road leading to by the way? The cross. It's leading to the cross. We had some people in here the other day I said to them, there's a story gets told about the cross room. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the cross room, but there's a guy who, who basically stands before Jesus and he, he carries his cross. And there's that phrase people talk about, we've all got our cross to bear or whatever. This is a guy who's carried his cross and, and he goes before Jesus and he's standing before him in this parable, this story, and he starts to complain about the cross that he's been given to bear. And he complains about it. He says, I've had to carry this cross. And then Jesus says, okay, well, if you want to, you can go into that room. That's full of the crosses of so many of my people and my cross is in there too. And if you want, you can go in and exchange your cross for one of those. So he goes in through the door and as he walks in through the door, he opens it and he sees these crosses that tower up 60, 100, 200 feet up into the air. And he sees this one cross in the middle that is stained with blood that has big nail holes in it. And he looks at the size of his cross and realises actually it wasn't as big as I thought it was. I think I'll keep this one if I can. So I'm going to count backwards from 10. And during that time, if anybody wants to make a personal response and you know what it is, if you, if you want to stand or put up a hand just to talk to God, it's not about me, but I'd, just to be able to say, Lord, I'm coming to you now. And this, I'm going to come, first of all, on the basis of needing your mercy. And then I'm going to make an ask. It could be that I'm forgiven. It could be that an answer's prayer for me or somebody else. But, but first of all, I'm coming to you for mercy and to follow you completely wherever you say. If I've wandered off the path, I'm coming back now. So I'm going to start counting back for some 10. Anybody wants to stand during this time because the Lord is speaking to you. I've got my eyes closed. But if you want to stand and say, I'm going to follow Jesus completely, then stand nine, eight, seven, six. Or raise a hand if you're not able to stand. Five, four, three. I'm coming back to you, Jesus, fully to follow you. I'm throwing off the old cloak, the old things that define me, the old sadnesses, the old sicknesses, the old pains. I'm trusting you. I'm leaving them on the floor. And I'm coming to you, Jesus. Three, two, one. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for your blessing upon those who've stood and those who've raised their hands right now. Could you stretch out a hand towards these people? Just, if you're near them, just pray for your blessing upon them. And, and ask Jesus in this moment for what only he can do. Ask him. The king says to you, what can I do for you? You know, we think he'd say to us, here's what I want you to do for me, but he's so kind. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. We don't make this just about doing stuff for you. Thank you, Lord. May you be blessed as you've stood, as you've raised a hand in this place. May you receive that as you stood and done something by faith may you be in that area in which you need wholeness be made whole be set free may his love and his grace be poured out upon you may a miracle be released into your life something that only God can do something that nobody else around you can do but only him and let's the rest of us stand to worship
If you're able to stand, we'll begin our worship time again. And during this time, keep this going. Don't just sing the song. If, if there's something you feel like during this time, as we're crying out, Lord, have mercy upon our land at this time. Anybody want to agree with that prayer? Lord, have mercy upon the, our city right now. You know, cry out. Actually, let's do that. You know, Bartimaeus' prayer wasn't a quiet one. It wasn't like an English reserved one. He was like, I'm, I'm, I want to do something that's going to stop God in his tracks and say, Lord, have mercy. So, so if there's a situation in your family, if there's anything desperate, and if you haven't got anything desperate going in your life, read the papers as well as your Bible. And Lord, we're calling out for you to have mercy upon our land, upon our nation, upon our city, upon our families, upon our streets, upon our children, upon our schools, upon our church. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, and open blind eyes to be able to see how glorious you are. Lord, as the enemy has tried to come in and blind us in so many ways, Lord, lift off those blinders in our lives. Come on, let's stand and let's worship God, but let's also ask him to have mercy upon our lives. Forgive me, Lord, for the ways in which I have walked my own way and my own path and walked away from you. I'm coming back to you, Jesus. Lord, I've messed up so many ways in the past, but Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you you don't send me away, but you call me to yourself. Come on, keep praying. Lord, have mercy upon us, we pray. Lord, pour out your grace upon us. Thank you you don't just give us what we, we you don't, isn't it just you don't give us what we, we deserve. You give us what we need. Whatever the area is, Lord, you can do it. You can turn an impossible situation around today, Lord. I'm praying for healings to be released now as people are praying in faith. In the name of Jesus. I'm praying, Lord, for your power to come into people's bodies now in the name of Jesus. Maybe that's for you or for somebody you've been praying about. Picture them by faith, whole and healed. Like like Bartimaeus was no longer known as blind Bartimaeus. He was just known as Bartimaeus, the free, the one who followed Jesus. Lord, thank you that you have solutions when we pray. We come to you on the basis of a covenant that you've made. You are a promise-keeping God. Lord, we're not going to let what we've not seen so far stop us from seeing what you're going to do in the future. Lord, have mercy upon us. Forgive our unbelief. Help us, Lord, to step out in faith and trust. This isn't about how we feel. It's about what you said. It's about what you've done. It's about who you are. We declare you are good. You are still working for good. You only intend good for us in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, the enemy has tried to come in and at times he has stolen and killed and destroyed. But we say in the name of Jesus, enough is enough. And and Lord, by the blood of that cross that you shed for us, Lord, we cover ourselves, our minds, our bodies, our souls and our spirits. Lord, and we declare over our families a new covenant today. We declare over our homes a new covenant today. We declare in our workplaces a new covenant today. Lord, if there's areas in our lives whereby the enemy has been trying to hold back a blessing from you, let it be released in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, everything that he tried to take away, we declare that he's overstepped the mark. And Lord, there's going to be a sevenfold return, a tenfold return from everything. The enemy tried to steal, kill and destroy because you want us not just to have life, but to have life in all of its fullness. We receive that all of that life in all of its fullness in the name of Jesus Christ. We receive it by faith now and we declare that our faith has made us whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, whatever it is God's been speaking to you about, come and get a brown tag if you want. Or the other thing to do, if you remember enjoying that time that this year God answered a prayer, and you're grateful for that. Let's more, you know, let's fill in some white ones too. 
some gratitude prayers for the prayers that he's already answered. Let's do that as we, as we worship. We'll probably go and, go and get the kids at the same time and bring them in. But thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are here and you are present as we worship you. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.